Welcome to Self-Worst. I am Brad Pearson. This is a podcast about creative inspiration, block, day jobs, bad habits, mental health, dignity, and spiritualism, art, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and the mirage of meritocracy. I talk to artists, designers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, crazies, filmmakers, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, queers, all kinds of beautiful, amazing people about what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Here we go! Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on Self-Worst Hey everybody, do you like my new intro? Uh, the little model, not the song the song's the same. The song's been the same, but I added the little spiel at the beginning um, recently just to kind of give an explanation in case it's your first time, you know? Just want to welcome all the noobs to the show. Uh, that's cool. If this is your first episode, welcome. If this is your second episode, welcome. Everybody else, fuck off. No, I love you all. Thank you for being here. This week, we're talking to Clay Tatum. Uh, he's a filmmaker and a comedy guy. I don't know if he'd want to be classified as a comedian, but I think he's funny. He's not like a stand-up necessarily, but you know, he, he does stuff in that world. Uh, makes sketches, uh, makes, uh, makes performance art. Um, and uh, most recently co-directed with his friend Whitmer Thomas uh, the HBO special The Golden One which I highly recommend uh, go watch that uh, go go watch it after listen to this first but what you should maybe do um, is take some time uh, to watch his short films they're both on Vimeo if you just google Clay Tatum Vimeo it'll pop up I'm not going to put the link in the show notes because I assume you're on your phone and listen don't fucking watch a movie on your goddamn phone. How many times do we... Like, that is just not a... We've all seen the David Lynch rant about watching a movie on your fucking phone. Don't do it. Go to a computer or at least an iPad. You know, have some dignity. Sit down. Like, don't watch, don't watch your movie hunched over on your phone like a fucking animal. Watch it like a person on an actual screen. Anyway, he's got two movies. One's called Home. One's called The Buddhist. They're both about 20 minutes. You got time. Go pause this podcast right now and go listen to that. Um, I'll wait. I assume you're back and you've watched those movies now. Um, you know, or, or you've just pretended that you, you know, whatever. If you didn't, then maybe you won't be privy to some of the conversation we're about to have. This is another long one. Um, you know, we talked for around two hours. Uh, maybe this is just my new groove. Maybe I'm just going to have a weekly podcast now, and it's going to be a two-hour 
discussions. Maybe I'm just making up for lost time. Or maybe I'm just on a hot streak right now and it'll it'll all come crashing down soon. We'll see. But I'm glad you're here with me on this journey. Dear listener, I love you. I kiss you on the lips. I die for you. This podcast is brought to you by you, the listener. You can go to patreon.com slash selfworst. Uh, sign up for as little as a dollar a month. That would help me out. Uh, also, rate and review the show on iTunes. That would be very chill and cool of you. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to put all those relevant links in the show notes, all of that stuff. Let's just get to the interview, honestly, with Clay Tatum. So, uh, it's been a while since we, uh, we've even like seen each other. <laughs> I, I, I don't think, uh, let's see, what do we do? You came out to Brooklyn a long time ago with Whitney and we got wings and went to a comedy show. I believe that's, um, that was, that must've been. It's like, I remember that might be like one of the first years I was dating Whitney. Yeah. I think, I think you, we were, saw... you were pretty new at that point. I was like, who is this guy? Um, and we saw Moshe Kasher maybe at UCB. Was that it? <sighs> Sounds about right. I don't remember who it was. I don't remember yeah. who it was, but like, yeah, it was it was that uh, show. What the fuck was that show called? Um, it was like every some random weeknight, um, and it was like a random grab bag of comics. Like you know, like crazy people would show up sometimes, and you know, you just would go and see who would, who would be there. So it was really it was fun. I went there one time with my dad. Like my brother lived in New York, and he wanted to go to UCB. And Chevy Chase was there, <laughs> and um, and my dad went outside to smoke, and Chevy Chase was like waiting for a cab or something, and he goes, "Hey, Chevy," and just like what my, the way my dad retells it is like it sounded like Chevy Chase was afraid of my dad. Should he be? Uh, is your dad scary? My dad is like he has a very low Southern voice, mm. which is very like intimidating. It can be. Um, but he's like, um, but he dresses kind of like a hippie. He wears like a Almond's Brothers t-shirt, tie-dye t-shirt every day. Okay. So he's, he's like, so he's like, like a, a... It's a real mixed bag. Right. He's like a, like a, a gentle, a, a gentle hillbilly. Yeah. Of. Yeah. That's, that, that's nice. That's, that's sort of the people I come from too. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm from Nebraska and like they, they, you know, it's like head to toe, like NASCAR gear, but they're like the sweetest people you know yeah so that's that's just how it sort of is um let's talk a little bit about that let's talk about origins uh you know give us give us some broad strokes of like where you're from and and and, uh you know little little clay yeah so little clay was born um in birmingham alabama um in 2001 and um 1988 and um I was like, I was born with like a lot of like ailments, uh, requiring like a lot of surgery, uh, at first. It's the only thing interesting about, uh, me. What, what uh, type of ailments? So ear, nose were both things I had problems with, but the first thing. They were I just backwards or something or what were they? They're just like all over. I don't know. I, I think like, I just couldn't breathe through my nose. My ears were weird. They still are and um in ways that i just can't describe i don't i mean like i don't know my ailments hmm. but i had a lot of surgeries but the main one was my intestines were too long and they found about they found out about this when i was like real little 
when I was just eating a hot dog with my mom and I was like a, a baby and I just like passed out, like I died. And they rushed me to the hospital and it turned out that my intestines were so long, they got tied in a knot so no like food can like go through it. So I was like starved to death almost. Um, and so they had to cut me up, cut and then join the two intestines that were like two different sizes together. And that caused like problems later on in life. Did they uh, let you keep the uh, the extra intestines? Yeah, or I kept it. I okay. kept it in my I kept it in my wallet when I was a baby. I had a chain wallet. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so I kept it in there, and um, uh, and that's it. And then I moved to Gulf Shores, Alabama, when I was five, which is the most southern point of Alabama, where it, like it hits the water. It's like a little island town. Yeah, that's. Like, more Florida than it is Alabama, but it had like visually. Um, and I lived there until I was 18. What was, uh, what was that like uh, growing up in, you know, just kind of, you know, that, that general, uh, I'm not super familiar with that region, I guess. So it's, um, it's like, um, it's just like Florida. I don't know if you've ever been to Florida. It's just like a lot of condos. Mm -hmm. It's a tourist town. Um, it's, it's like it's a place where it has more tourists than it has locals. It's like a around. beach town kind of almost. Right? Yeah, it's a beach town. Yeah, it's like a, it's like the first sign of like white sand beach in the south because if you go anywhere um, west of that, it's going to look like swamp, like the uh, New Orleans style, like whatever landscape. But if you go east, it starts looking like a real beach, like um, Florida. And so it's like the start of that. And it's like a, it's like a big like tourist town for people mm. all across the South and all over the place. And it's interesting. It's a good place that has like a lot of like um, miniature golf type places and water parks, but it doesn't have a movie theater. It's like one of those towns where it's mm. just like, we, we didn't have a movie theater until we were like, when I was like 13, we had a first movie theater. Um, so it's like that type of, I mean, I, I, it's just like, it's kind of like a weird, it's like Southern rural, but not at the same time. Interesting. So yeah. <clears throat> by, by the time you were about how old you were, um, you know, your, your health ailments had kind of, uh, been corrected or, or you had, uh, did you kind of like, come through the other end of that? Yeah, they were like, ne they were never like, it was more of an annoyance than it is like an impediment, like. Mm. I would never like when I look back in my life, I don't remember having surgeries or like reacting to that. That's just like the only thing that's interesting about my <laughs> being born. Um, but besides that, it didn't really affect me. Like I had had like I had like twenty surgeries before I was like fifteen. Wow. Um, but it was it was like what no thing. It was just like whatever. It was like a lot of minor stuff. Some of it was like plastic surgery because I had a deviated septum too. Which is like it was deviated, so I couldn't breathe through it. So they straightened it out, and I couldn't breathe through it still. And they go, "I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what's going on here." Um, Listen, you just, just your nose sucks. It, it just it can't. It's just yeah. not working out. It's just not. You, you... It just turns out I was allergic to literally everything, and mm -hmm. I had an allergy test, and it was just like anywho, very boring stuff. It didn't affect me at all. I, I would shit <clears> the bed a lot. That's. thing is like 
my stomach was like new and didn't know how to like function. So that was a thing. Hang on. I'm sorry. You, you were saying you, you shut, you shut the bed a lot and then you, your connection froze a little bit. Um, oh, really? Because right you were saying you shut the bed a lot. The, the uh, internet shut the bed. No, it's just a thing that I had to deal with. I mean, um, that sucks. Yeah, I know. Um, that was a thing that was like, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know why. It was just like it was just in relation to my stomach surgery that I had to like. Um, I had to deal with. It was like one. Of the, it was the weirdest thing about like growing up that I always forget about. But like, it was a thing where like, hmm, I shouldn't be doing this at the age of ten. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. like, w were you able to kind of like cloak that from you know other kids and stuff at school? So and just, hard. And just like so not, hard. No, I got. I got. I got caught like once or twice and I just, I go, listen, dude, I don't know. What, I don't know what you're talking about. It's so it's weird. You found what? It's like, what? That's crazy. It just and like sleepovers go, and stuff. You're just like, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, yeah. weird. I don't know. Must've been the dog. Yeah. But I cut that out like, uh, right before middle school. Hmm. And so like that was, that was like a lucky break. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I mean, like when you're like grade school age, I feel like a lot of that stuff, you can kind of, I don't know, because like kids are like shitting themselves and 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 like all kinds of you know bedwetting stuff like that. But like once you like get into like preteen adolescence, like then it's just it can be just fucking vicious, you know. Like if that, yeah. if that's still happening, or if you have like weird braces or like whatever, like that you know the kids are gonna like latch onto, then like then it's all over for you. Like if you're still if you still have like weird shit that makes you stick out like that in you know by the time you're in like sixth grade you're fucked <laughs> like it's, it's right bad. and it's also not really a thing that you can like laugh about either if you're trying to be cool about it yeah <clears throat> it's hard i mean yeah it's it, you know like what do you do like do you roll with the punches and laugh at it and be like ha yeah you got me i shit the bed like i'm the bed shitting guy and like make that your thing or like do you you know deny it yeah because you, you don't want that to like defensive? like once that leaves your friend group, then you then you're just spend your whole like middle school career just explaining that to people. Yeah, going like, no, I'm not gonna be that guy. I'm just gonna be a fucking. I'm just like, this is my thing. I'm just gonna keep this to myself. What? Uh, who? Who did you become in uh, middle school then? What? What did? What did you graduate into? Uh, well, as, as a preteen. Middle school was like when I found skateboarding. So I found skateboarding in fifth grade, and then that's how I became friends with Wit, and literally all my friends was through skateboarding. And then it was like up to that point, it was like hard to make friends for me. Um, I was always like super quiet, but once I found like skating, it kind of unlocked like the friendship code of like, oh, this is how you make friends now. You like have a skateboard magazine, and then someone be like, oh, I skate too, and then like you you're instantly friends. Yeah. I, I had a lot of friends who got into skateboarding. Um, I was, I think, maybe just too much of a pussy. Um, I didn't want to, like, get hurt. I didn't want to roll my ankle or, like, fall down and, like, break something. So I was just, like, I was too just, like, squeamish about, like, you know, kissing the pavement and stuff. So, like, I never yeah. did it. But, like, I remember being real, like, I remember flipping through all of the skateboarding magazines and like thinking all the shit was so cool and like the skate shoes and all of that i wanted to i wanted to be a part of the world but like just couldn't i couldn't fucking hack it as an actual skateboarder i just i i liked having like my front teeth too much i guess i think what it is is like it's just like getting in at the right time 
you're like young enough to be where it's just like oh hey this is like riding a bike and you're like not good at it and then you have other friends that are like getting into it and are not good at it and then y'all progress at the same rate hmm. so i think some people are like get introduced to skateboarding at a later age to where it's already like you're throwing yourself downstairs and you're like i have to, is that where i'm gonna have to start doing this like no yeah i think i mean like when i i think i maybe like started being aware of skateboarding a little bit later for whatever reason um you know probably i don't know i guess later middle school into high school um how old are you i i'm 36 um so i'm, okay. I'm about your age but like i get yeah maybe i was just like a little bit older by the time it started to become really popular like around like 98 or so um, yeah, you're, it, like, really... you're my brother's age. So yeah. like what happened with skating was uh, skateboarding games came out like Tony Hawk and like Street Skater on PlayStation 1. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just let everyone know about skating. And I think if you're like a little older than me, I think you might be a little too old to get into skating through that. Maybe. Yeah. Because I mean, like, I that's definitely... just my hypothesis. Yeah, that's that's actually a good that's a good hypothesis. That's. I was, I mean, I remember playing those games and, you know, that was like a big sensation because of all the music in it. And it was, you know, it was like a, uh, a big cultural touchstone was just all the, all the music in the, uh, skateboarding games and all of that shit. Cause it was like all adjacent to punk rock, which I of course like really got into. Um, yeah, same. but you know, like the skating aspect of it by the time I, was into it it was or like pretending to be into it basically it was like uh it was like jackass and stuff like that was was yep. really like the thing it was just like oh the point is like to hurt yourself as badly as possible and i was like oh this is fun to watch but like i don't i don't want to do that like i you know i've never I, I've, I've somehow gotten through life without breaking any bones or anything like that i just i couldn't i couldn't do it my brother mailed me some vhs tapes um we have from um our home um and what i used to do was like i filmed a lot as a kid like skating and stuff and so i would like whatever i filmed i would put on like blank tapes and so i watched the blank tapes and it was all jackass um when skateboarding was ever on tv through like um espn or something that was reported on it and videos of me like jumping into bushes so yeah. i was very into um uh, stunts yeah. as a boy that was a big i mean that like late 90s early 2000s era of jackass and tom green and that like um you know the the prank centric like grab a grab a little camera and like go do some weird shit at the mall was just like i feel like everybody our age got into that at some point and and was yeah. was you know just the most obnoxious fucking person for a couple of years um, yeah it's hard to watch it's like those videos of when we were when i would try to do like like trip in public type pranks yeah it's like really hard to watch i mean i i guess kids are still doing it now is that like i mean it must be like a tiktok thing now i have seen the videos and they do make me laugh of the guy in the grocery store who just like he walks down an aisle and when somebody isn't looking, he just throws himself on the ground with like a gallon of milk. 
and the milk splatters all over the floor and he acts and it just works it works every time it's just so can't, funny can't like and they turn around and they're like oh my god what happened and like it's like it's clear that he just threw himself on the ground and like catastrophically just splashed this milk all over the place and he's like struggling to get up and falling back down it's just i mean it's just it's just so good it's just there's i don't laugh at anything the way i laugh at like fails videos and i feel like my my comedy sensibilities have have really evolved um you know to where like i i feel like i watch and take in like a lot of what you could consider i don't know highbrow whatever comedy um and understand like the nuances of comedy writing and blah 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 but like guttural fucking like dying laughing and just people getting hit in the nuts and walking into tree branches and stuff like it's just it's just it's there's nothing better there's no i've i've had the same thing where i like i like really smart comedy but like the funniest thing in the world are dumb memes and just like the stupidest fucking tiktoks when he sends me it's just yeah. i won't i won't laugh harder at anything except, except for that i mean like i don't i don't really watch that many comedies anymore i think i think i'm like tiktok poisoned that like just that the attention span is just is completely i just want it really silly went really stupid and have it be like it's just like someone farting like it's so fucking simple now i think tiktok's really melted my brain and yeah. instagram with what, yeah. what i find funny I mean, memes really have, uh, like, you talk about, like, distilling comedy down into just the smallest, boiling it down into just the the tiniest image possible, just a little tiny low-res square on your phone that somehow communicates something really universal and relatable to everybody with just, like, a single image or maybe just, like, a single image in, like, one or two words. It's, It's pretty fascinating. And, like, watching the the evolution of memes like uh, there's a twitter account that i follow called ancient memes that's yeah i follow that too it's so great like all the like weird old impact font memes you know that's just like some are oh, really is... some are actually pretty good but some are just like who thought this was funny i don't know like it's it's really strange like thinking back on like um did you ever get into the like what was it called the you the man now dog um I, yeah i know about them all i mean like when like i thought i can have cheeseburgers it was so funny at the time yeah what what is like why do i like it's just so a cute cat stupid. that's really all it is it's just like oh that cat's really chubby and he looks like he's saying something and it's it's cute um and that's pretty much it that's about as i don't know man but like i don't know it's 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 come such a long way and yet it's still just so simple and so dumb and just, yeah. And I mean, and it really, I it really it. I affects it like, it, but it, it, it kind of affects like what I find funny of like something that I could possibly make, which is like, I think people our age is like, are stuck in the thing. Like what I want to do is like, I want to make a movie, which is such a old thing now. Um, and it's hard to like, put in things that i find funny now into something so traditional Mm. Um, yeah i mean again like i think it's the attention span has really just like uh 
it's been hurt. I mean, especially, you know, I mean, everybody's just been sitting inside watching shit during all of the quarantine. Um, but I've noticed like the amount of movies that we watch versus the amount of just TV shows. You can sit and watch a TV show for 10 hours and feel nothing and feel just like, yeah, I'm fine doing that. I can just like consume this all day. But like watching a fucking, um, watching one movie is like a daunting task. It's just like, oh man, well, this is like, it's two hours. Like, oh man. And I get, like, there's like this, um, there's this Bellatar film that's like eight hours long. And the way I think about it is if like, I want to watch it, but I know after I watch it, I go, oh my God, I just did the Olympics of watching movies. Like, that's so crazy. But then the other day we watched like some like serial killer show and we watched like fucking eight episodes and that was like eight hours. And it was just, it felt like nothing and no time went by. Yeah. It's, it's weird how, like, I, I guess it's just breaking it up into pieces. I don't know. And it's just, you know, I mean... Also, like, comedy's, it's staying just as dumb as it's ever been. And it's, you know, like, with memes and with TikTok and Twitter, it's been distilling it down into the simplest form possible. But also, I mean, look at, I don't know, Search Party or I May Destroy You or Chewing Gum. Like, you know, like, these are, like, very, like, I mean... I guess it's questionable of whether or not uh, I May Destroy You could really be considered a comedy, but I think it is really? kind of funny. Like, there are funny moments in it, for sure. Yeah. Um, but they're so, like, dark and have gotten into such a deep, dark character study kind of territory um, that that you just, like, didn't see you know, even like a generation ago, like that, that kind of comedy, like, you know, you had like what fucking wings, like, I don't know, you know, like you had, um, what was the smartest show on TV? Uh, Seinfeld, probably. Seinfeld. Yeah. You know, like, and it's funny, like it's smart and it still holds up in a lot of ways, but it was very formulaic, you know? No, but everything below Seinfeld, I mean, besides like the Simpsons and like Simpson and heyday, Seinfeld, anything below that, like watching episode, I, like friends or yeah. anything else. It's we tried just to go like, back and watch Northern Exposure and we were just like, what is like it just isn't like this is stupid. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's My hard. mom loved Northern Exposure. Oh yeah, I think all moms really like that show. Um I, I get it. I see the appeal. It's very like quaint, cute. But there's then there's that whole fucking storyline about like those two old dudes who are like fighting over some girl who's like twenty. It's just like gross. What is, I don't even know what the show is. I just remember okay. my, it came on every morning. Like some TV show syndicated it early in the morning mm -hmm. for some reason. And my mom would just drink coffee and watch reruns of Northern Exposure. It's so this uh, like Jewish doctor from New York gets reassigned to go out to what he, he thinks he's going to like Anchorage, Alaska. But they reassign him once he gets out to Anchorage. Uh, to an even smaller town, this town called Sicily, Alaska, that's like just this like really rinky dink small town out in the middle of nowhere. And he's really pissed. And he has like he has some contractual obligation to be there for four years. And he's like, no, I can't do it. And, and then he, you know, of course, like gets into the groove and meets a hot girl and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, like uh, mingles with the town folk. And it's it's fine. I don't know. It's it's not. I love that idea of a show of just like you're pitching the show, and it's like, what's the show? 
What's a guy that moves? He's forced to live in Alaska. And <laughs> what did, he he'll he'll meet people and he'll deal with the people there. But that, I mean, that's the bulk of the show, the idea I have. That's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's it's you know, there's it's a small town filled with a cast of strange characters. I think it like uh it, it is very like post Twin Peaks. Like it's like Twin Peaks but without the genius of David Lynch and without um without the mystery element, without the, you know, like weird uh psychotic uh you know surrealism and all of that stuff it's just it's just like what if what if twin peaks was actually just like normal and and no murder and no mysticism you know i guarantee that's how they pitched it probably yeah i think that yeah that's probably what it was um but um yeah like speaking of sophisticated uh comedy um you've made a couple of short movies uh that that i think were really um yeah ride the line of uh tension and creepiness and and comedy like because it's like half of the time watching um i'm talking about uh the buddhist and home uh they both have a very similar tone of um kind of claustrophobia and this uh david lynch feeling and uh um I was reminded a lot of like Tim and Eric's bedtime stories, um, watching them, and I love that. Rep. Yeah, that's it's, a good... oh, it's so good. That that show is fucking amazing. Um, I, I, I mean, everything they do. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Beef House, their newest thing, to be honest. But everything else. That oh, I'm, done... I'm I'm Tim and Eric burnt out. I mean, like I was such a mega fan. Yeah, and, like Tom and like you know, um, up to the point of bedtime stories. I kind of just checked out after that. Um, just because it's just like, you know, you, you have a thing, you you write it out and, you know. Yeah. They're like, you know, it's like a certain point, like even when like Wes Anderson, like releases his, you know, umpteenth film, that's like, you know, you're like, okay, this is the Wes Anderson thing that they're doing. Yeah. It's like like when Darjeeling Limited came out and you're like, okay. Oh, this again. I got it. You went just a little too far on there. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, um, Bedtime Stories is fucking amazing. And yeah. it has a very... Um, I, I'm going to tell my <laughs> listeners, you know, in the preface to this interview to just just pause the podcast and go watch uh, both of your movies because they're like, what, 20 minutes each? They're both on Vimeo. Yeah, I mean, it's, very... it's, a, it's a long... It's a big ask. Um, 20 minutes is a long time for a short. I guess, like, yeah. I, I like making short films because it's a place where I can be, like, super indulgent, but, like... <laughs> Even that, you can take it too far. Did you want to make them even shorter than they were? Yeah, I, mm, I don't know. I kind of just wanted like you know they'll be whatever length they'll end up being. But um, I do like feel like I don't feel like this is a thing that I would want to like send to anywhere because um, it's just such a it's such a vain thing. I'm just I'm just like trying to figure out what if I can like make stuff like this. I, I mean, I, I contend that you can. Um, you, they they both feel very fleshed out. Like you, like I, I watch them, and you know, I'm like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. So, like for sure, like you you can do Thanks it. Me. But like, 
20 minutes yeah i know what you're saying is like 20 minutes is kind of an awkward length of time for a short film just because like you know with like an episode of a tv show like we were saying you know it's usually broken up into like 20 22 minute chunks but like you're telling one singular story in 20 minutes um you know it's like i've been to i don't know how many fucking film festivals at this point where you know my favorite movies are either the features that you sit down and you make an investment and you watch 90 minutes at least of a movie or you like it's like five ten minutes and you're done and you like yeah. compact the story into that 20 minutes is like that weird in between um i think like if you want to make a really good short film it, it needs to be five minutes long hmm. have one singular idea and done really well and show off one unique thing about the filmmaker and that is like unique to them and gets comes across in one simple package um and i feel like if i've ever made one of those i'd be like all right cool now i'm gonna like send this to every festival but like with the stuff that i make that are like the actual short films that i make are like um they're like me trying to figure something out and if you watch it it's fine i, I don't i don't care if you do or you don't because I, I see it as a very vain project. Hmm. Um, but it's just like, this is just an exercise for me. Because um, I don't feel, I feel like weird promoting them. You do? Yeah, very weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I promote once or twice, mm-hmm. maybe even a week. I might do a thing every day. Then after that, I'll shut up about it. I'll never bring it up again. <laughs> That's so crazy. Like, because like, I, um, I don't know, like watching both of them. I mean, I, I know that like your main thing is your uh, your your comedy and and uh, working with uh, is power violence still uh, a thing? Are you still working with them? Um, I mean, power violence was just a weekly show is right. like what it was. And um, uh, but like creatively working with those people in, individually, I do in different forms now. Right. I was listening uh, like to a little I, bit of your podcast today, the uh, what's it, American Culture Review? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Um, American Arts and Culture Review. American yeah. Arts and Culture Review. Um but they're they're in your, uh, you know, they're in your movies too, so like it's it's Yeah, no, no, they're they're, they're just friends. I mean, they're just like close friends that yeah. I can that I think are very funny. And so they'll always be part of whatever I make. Um, but yeah, there's still, um, whatever that essence was of that comedy group is still around just, but in different, more annoying forms like Twitch streams and podcasts. Right. Right. Um, I mean, you know, live shows being what they are now, it's, you know, you, you can't really. So, I mean, you have to find ways, I guess, to evolve. I think we just do it out of boredom and not out of any real, like... It's like the the when you have like when we first started, it was like oh my god, the goal is to have a TV show where it's just us and we are the new sketch comedy team. But then like that, like we that idea was killed very quickly, and um, you know it's just also like when none of us wants to have a career in comedy except for wit really, right? And um, and so that was a big and like hinder because like he would like go out and do shows all the time and like you know 
be very like present and we would just do a show once a week and like stop talking about comedy after that what uh what do you want your your career to be in i've always wanted to be a director that's all i cared about Hmm. so Uh, you you eventually want to like be making features and stuff yeah so um, i mean that's always been the goal but then i've like figured out other things that i've like liked or done before like acting i've done more and then um uh i've always like me and way have always like wrote and like try to like sell shows and so that like that's what i do more than i do of directing but like since i was like 16 that's always been like the the path of me but um yeah well, I mean, you know, like, like I said, I mean, you know, I, I know you're, um, you're, I got maybe self-conscious isn't the right word about, um, about the shorts you've made, but I mean, I think that they're great. Oh, I am. No, uh, you're, you're, self-conscious. you're self-conscious about them, but they're, I mean, like, I'm telling you, dude, they're fucking fantastic. And they're, they're both Thanks so, um, they both have such, uh, there's this theme running through them of this person who's trapped kind of cornered there's this this imposing like uh impending sense of doom on this character in both of them and in the buddhist um what it kind of centers around is this guy who's like trying to prove how tough he is he like has this story about how he kicked someone's ass or how he could kick someone's ass and then he has to back it up with with actually trying to fight somebody and it and it's just it's awkward and like i mean because it's it's you and your friends who are comedic actors you act out this this very like uh goofy sort of you know untrained it's like not like a john wick fight it's like an actual like if you've ever seen street fights they're just like very awkward and like people's pants fall down and shit there's nothing better than an awkward fight it's just so funny don't cut you just stay on it yeah yeah and like it's you know like well the thing about like the idea that people have about how they'll whoop someone's ass in their brain versus how it actually goes um is just like there's there's a world of difference and yeah i remember when i was a kid i got in my first fight and um it was like this like like kind of bigger kid not in the way that like he's stronger but like fatter um and i, I mean was, but like, that mass know, that really works to people's advantage you know like right and I, but i was like dude i'm a squirrely little kid i can fucking whoop your ass and the way the fight got started is he punched me in the face and once you get that first punch it's just like what am i what's going on here yeah and then you get into instantly you get into that tussle where i got into a tussle with him and i'm just like i'm not controlling this at all and he's not really controlling it at all but he got the first punch in and i'm kind of just like woozy very awkward there's that mike tyson quote like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face yeah and that's kind of what it is i mean you know it's just a lot of breathing and just a lot of just grunting and grabbing and like you know like this just sort of this weird contorting you know like it's it's not it's not like you think it's gonna be in the movies where there's like cool like blows and like somebody breaks a beer bottle or whatever like or or somebody gets flipped over a table like it's not like that it's just it's ugly and weird and scary and like you know like it's not i don't know it's just it's never it's never great um you know like not that i've been in uh 
fights really like I think like you like I, I got into like a little like scrape in like middle school um yeah I you know and I, it, it was with somebody who was much bigger than me um he was just like this like big fat kid and I ran up to him he threw a basketball at my nuts and hit me in the nuts with a basketball and you just don't do that you just don't do that like because it was <sighs> I don't even remember like how it precipitated. He thought that um that I had hit him in the nuts with the basketball, so he threw one back at me and just and somehow his aim was just impeccable and just like really just like got me like right in the right in the tip of the dick and the balls. And and like that just sent me into a rage. So I like ran across the gym floor at him and I managed to sort of like jump up and almost like like a cool like Captain America like flying punch like at his no, face, no. but then he just caught me because I was so much smaller than him, just like grabbed me just sort of like by the shirt and just bam just like out in the face, and so like it, it and and then like after that I don't even really remember what happened. It, there was just like a lot of again just heavy breathing and just just grunting and like murr, murr, and then that was it, and it's yeah. It's just always so dumb when it when it's all said and done because we were like still friends after that. This is my friend, you know, and <laughs> and and it's that's like the worst part of like having to cease all. Yeah, the awkwardness afterward. Yeah, um, you know, were were you friends with the uh, the the kid you got in a fight with? Just a neighborhood kid. Just a neighborhood. I can take him or leave him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was trash to me after that. <laughs> so, uh, I never really talked to him. Um, he was like a, he, he, he became a brain surgeon. Um, Whoa. Yeah. And, um, in the way he talked about like opening up people's heads afterwards, I go, something's wrong, something's wrong with you, my man. Um, yeah. but yeah, he was a, um, he was just a neighborhood kid. I didn't really. Do you remember why the fight started? Not 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 at all. No, yeah, it's just, nope. it's never. Over I have no anything. idea. I just remember the punch, and then that was that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's you know. it's weird. I don't know. Um, but like relating that back to the film, um, it's there is that. What if it's if the movie is about anything at all? It 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 seems to be about this type of you know performative masculinity this this type of uh uh this this macho like i could take this guy and not being able to hear from somebody else that like no nah, you, you kind of couldn't he's he's bigger than you and like not being able to accept that um yeah i mean the main thing with that is like i really the thing that i really like about or that character thing is the idea of a, someone emotionally unintelligent dealing with someone emotionally intelligent and but like snowballing until um the person on their side has to give into it or like leave it was an idea that was something anything anyone anyone snowballing because they're just like they're emotionally like dumb is very funny to me hmm like someone who can't like who is like like you ever been in an argument where you're wrong 
But instead of like going, oh, you're right. You just snowball into like a fit to where you're just like not making sense anymore. And it's just like that, like that you start like getting like panicky. Yeah. You just, you you double down on your own, on your own stupidity. And then double downing is so funny to me. Yeah, it is. is. And something that happens to me all the time or like when like, I, I like, I love, I just know I I was like I was like a kid that was really bad with like getting into debates and then finding out that I'm wrong early on in the debate and just like I'm not gonna give you an inch. Right. Do you remember what any of those were about? Can you uh, can you give no. us some snapshots? I I have no I just I just my memory is just only with feeling of like feeling that like overwhelmed like I'm sure it's like some like fact that I just got wrong or like you know whatever right uh, but like when the other person makes the argument that like oh i see where you're coming from you're right and but you're too invested you're just that was like that was me growing up hmm. was being that fucking stupid until like i just gave up <clears throat> you, you uh consider yourself uh emotionally unintelligent Growing up, I was like very. I was like a very late bloomer when it came to like being like I had like I was just a weird kid um, when it comes to that. And it was like in middle school was like when it hit the hardest of like I'm like so fucking stubborn um, to a point where I just like I kind of caved and was like super humbled by the response my friends gave me of being so fucking stupid just you, you just constantly got roasted until you until you eventually uh yeah until realized. you just shut up <laughs> to where like you know like you ever as a kid you're like you have that friend that's so fucking stupid and you always make fun of them but you but like if you're on the other side of that where like everyone's making fun like everyone's like ganging up on you because you're clearly in the wrong yeah and that feeling of like being like the odd man out just like sends your head into a spiral. That was like my that was like my learning curve of like having friends in middle school and then like quickly adapting. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I mean that's a rough spot to be in, but like it, it sounds like it really um it helped maybe shape you for the better. Um, because, yeah, because I mean, you know, like there is that, like, uh, that thing of, you know, like we want to be aware of bullying. We want to, um, you know, provide a, a, a space for kids to, you know, grow and experiment with new identities and, and, and kind of find themselves uh safely without without being you know like too fucking pummeled by the world um but at the same time uh you're gonna get fucking pummeled by the world when you're developing as a person and that builds character honestly like learning how to like uh take shit from people is important and and really kind of uh i think deprograms a lot of asshole-ish behavior in people 
you know, like some of the most obnoxious people I know, like my first thought is always just like, eh, they didn't get bullied enough, you know? Yeah. Um, did you, were you in bands in high school or middle school? Like, uh, like rock bands? No, I was in, um, I was in like the not cool band. I was in like marching band and shit. Like, but right. I, I didn't have enough, like I wanted to be, it was again, like, it was like skateboarding. It was like, I want to be good at this. I want to be able to like play guitar, but like I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite do it well enough to actually like get into a band and, and do shit. Yeah. Um. Well, I was in a band in middle school. I was in a punk band, and um, uh, we were called Them, and we were like a weird. We were just like a kids punk band, and I was like, my thing is like I, I wanted to be political, mm-hmm. which was weird. Um. And my whole thing with the band was like, it was like I would write the songs and then Wit would write the songs. And it came to a point where I was like really controlling of the whole band. And because I had the mindset of like, well, you guys can't do what I do. Like, this is like, it's my way or the highway, really. And like, if you guys have an idea, I'll like, I'll like, I'll slam that idea down and kind of make fun of you for bringing up such a dumb idea. Uh, to a point where um, they're like, all right, we are breaking up and starting a new band without you, which is like the most humbling thing ever. Wait, so and, they just, they broke up the band and then just started a new band that was just them without you? Yeah. And I had to go to those shows. They knew I would, like, you. They, yeah. Yeah, of course. And um, I was like, oh, okay. I am like, my actions have like, I, you. it's just... It was like the most humbling thing ever. Yeah. And it was such a, a 180. It was, I was like a fucking big bully and I turned into a fucking small puppy dog and just never opened my mouth again. Um, and that was like, and that was middle school. And then so throughout high school, I was just quiet. Wow. When it came to like stuff like that. Yeah. It was like, it's the most like, humbling moment of like my life that changed my life entirely completely i mean was it you look back on that now and you're like that was painful that that like fucking heart i'm in therapy over this or like you look back on that and you're like i kind of had that coming i i I see what I, i see what i you know what needed to happen there well, when it happened, it was like stages of grief, you know, mm. of just like you, you don't believe it, and then like, then you have the thought of like, all right, I'll start my own one pay, one fucking person band, and I'll get so good, and they'll be so sorry, and then you'll be, and then I'm like, no, I just want to like skate and have fun, and sure, I'll go to your new band show, okay, and I'll watch in the background, and they have friends be like, wait, why aren't you in this band? And I go, oh, I don't know. And then, and then, and then you accept it. And then it's acceptance. And then that brand breaks up. And then we all go out and skate. And then it's fine. But you know, you know your new place. You know, like you're not the fucking person in control. You can't just like other people have their own ideas that they want to like. It's like you had to work with this team, you know, and you had to like balance that, um, which is like a thing that you had to learn. But you like I, in that case, I had to learn it like really quickly, and. Um, I, I was just like very, I was so confident in myself that I could just bully anyone into my way. And then until I couldn't. Right. 
which is, you know, which now shapes me into like the fucking wiener I am now. I mean, under every bully is an insecure little bitch. I, I, I oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just how it yeah. is. But I mean, like, it looks, it, it sounds like that got, you know, kind of like beaten out of you before you were able to do any real damage with it. Oh, it was the perfect timing. It was so good. Like, I didn't lose any friends over it. Like, I still skated with all the band members and stuff. It was just like, you know, it was like it hurts your feeling immensely to see, like, this new band play at this new show, you know? And you're like, you know, this is not punk enough. Like, this is stupid, but, you know. This isn't political enough. What were the politics of the band that you, like, what were the, what were the political stances? I had one song called Canada. Mm-hmm. which is about if uh, a draft got reinstated by President Bush, I would move to Canada. Ooh, all right. Um, there's another song called Pledge Now about how I won't pledge allegiance to um, a flag, um, which there's actually a recording of. I'll send it to you. All right. Yeah, well, maybe we'll play it out, play out the episode with that. Um, and um, so there's that. And then, then with his songs were like, he wrote songs about our friends, like drunk parents and the parties that they would throw. Like he was like a more like Blink One Eighty Two fun right. band, and I wanted to be anti-flag. Is was my goal, or Pennywise. Right, you wanted to be very serious. You you took yourself yeah. away. I was I was very much kind of the same way in uh, in like middle school, early high school. I was I was like a very like gothy like dark brooding kid and like you know so many of my friends were just like it's like dumb silly you know teenage clowns and stuff and i was just like don't you understand like how dark the world is and blah 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 and like it's just like i mean i didn't know the half of how fucking dark the world was yet you know like but you know i just i felt something it was it was it was deep within me yeah everything's so real everything is so like um urgent yeah yeah i mean honestly i i i miss it sometimes you know like i um i went back and listened to some music that i was listening to like around high school you know and i do that intermittently i'll like go back and listen to like a deftones album or like uh or like a bright eyes album or stuff that you know i like i haven't really listened to in a long time it's just like man like i used to have such big fucking like this used to really affect me. Like I used to like really like listen to this and like feel it like in my heart and soul. And like, I kind of miss that in a way. Cause like you grow up and you just can't fucking be that affected by the whole world every day anymore. Cause you got to like go to work and like do shit with your life and you can't just be like curled up in a ball all day, you know? Yeah. I wonder, yeah, that's just like a, I, I was also different too in the way where I, when I was a kid, my main goal in life was to be 30 years old. That's just what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an intellectual early on in life. And I would like, whenever like my friends would get into like weird emo bands, I'd be like, that's so stupid. You have to listen to like these smart bands or whatever. Um, and so I even like robbed myself of that kind of as a kid of being able to like listen to a bright eye song and like really fall into it um i was always like i was always thought like um he liked bright eyes i actually listened to the mountain goats 
Right. Even there, I, there's no difference to that now, but in my head back then, I thought I was like, uh, I, I thought like you're reading like a kid's magazine. I'm reading the New Yorker. Right. Right. I mean, in my opinion, I, I mean, mountain goats maybe are a little better than bright eyes, but you know, they, but both... as a, as like a, a high schooler, I thought it was so much more adult yeah. just because like a, a, my friend, my brother's college friend showed him to me and I was like, that gave it an air to it or something. Right, because an adult handed but, it down to you. But that was like my mentality in high school. I always wanted to be smarter than I was. Right. Um, or like seen as intellectual. Did you read a lot? No, not at all. Never. I never read anything. <laughs> but I would have a lot of books. I would have a lot. I would talk about Kurt Vonnegut a lot. Right, um, but you never read any of his like, books? But I, I would like read a little bit, but never like, I would never like, you know, kids who read would like find an author and then devour their whole catalog. Right. But with me, I would read a couple of short stories or whatever and be like, yeah, he has such a witty sense of humor. You know? <laughs> that was just like, like, that's just like the, who I was. Did you have like uh, the, the like tweed jacket with the patches and like a pipe and shit? No, I was, I always wanted to look like a skateboarder, but I would, I would look at like you know shit like that and be like, that's very cool. Yeah, you wanted to be like a philosophical skateboarder. Yeah, I'd be like, you know, I I love like punk and skating, but you know, I like to watch Annie Hall on the weekends or whatever. I mean, to be honest, the leather patches on the elbows—that's probably, you know, that's decent padding for like a. Yeah, you don't wear pads. You know, I was a street skater. You don't wear pads. Pads are for pussies. Pads are for posers. But if you were a to skate tweet. in a tweed jacket, that would look really cool. I like that could have been your, that could have been your. Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah, I thought. Mom, I I was watching the old videos again from the VHS videos, and a lot of me and my friends wore a lot of ties. Um, we thought it was very punk at the time to wear a tie over a graphic tee. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so um, tie, uh, with uh collared shirt and then a graphic tee over the collared shirt or just tie around the neck no collared shirt t-shirt. just a graphic tee and a tie did now um did you know how to actually tie the tie then uh yes i had to have my brother teach me hmm. um let me see if i can find a photo for you i'm sending you so much stuff in the chat this is great by the way <laughs> um i have an old website of my punk band um and i remember when we showed who we are as a band i had a picture of me skating in a tie and it's really hard to see but let me see if i can find it here okay here we go here we go um i mean i remember thinking, that's okay you know honestly I, as i've you know uh started uh i don't know gaining more xp with this podcast just letting space happen letting letting uh pauses and and awkward you know like little like internet searches moments happen um and and like honestly i haven't even really been editing that stuff out lately just like letting it letting it breathe because like when i listen to podcasts like i fucking like I put up with it all the time when they're just like, oh, let me Google that real quick. Or like they trail off and like, it just makes it more organic and like, it's fine. Like you can take a breather for a second. Like, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make a like fucking like NPR, like wall to wall, like perfectly edited 
you know it's it's this is this is punk man this is hell yeah this is, this hell is jazz yeah. this is this is like unedited man you know so i sent you a photo and it's kind of hard to see the tie okay but i want to, I want to see this right now though. um well here's what the photo is the photo is me sawing over a chain um that's off a little like two foot drop and I'm wearing my classic AFI t-shirt when AFI was punk. And on the back it said East Bay Hardcore or something. And a droopy little tie with three buttons on it just flapping around. And I thought that was so cool. Were you a half Windsor guy, full Windsor? I don't even know what that means at even now. <laughs> I think I still only know how to, I know how to tie... A half Windsor, if you really twisted my arm, I think I could tie a full Windsor. And I know how to tie a bow tie, because I'm, I'm really crazy. You're a young conservative. It. Yeah, it's, yeah I'm, I'm Tucker Carlson. I'm a, uh, yeah. I'm a Swanson frozen foods heir. Love it. Um, no, I know the one where you, you take it, you flip it over the thing once, and then on another half time, you pull it up. And then you loop it down in a little hole. I believe that's the half Windsor. Yeah, that's yeah from what might. you're describing, I think that's the half Windsor. Um, so, yeah, so you uh, were you were humbled, and you were uh, then I don't know you, you you got your ass handed to you in middle school, yeah, and you. Um, became a, like a really a quiet kid but it sounds like also maybe just on the inside very you know yeah yeah the the teenage uh i know more than you i'm uh you know i i like the 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 intellectual pomposity right is pomposity a word yeah pomposity is the best word for that that never left me like i was humbled like as like a control freak or like someone who like bullies everyone into like my way mm -hmm. but i was always pompous um um but uh which i st i still am i guess um with my fucking little 24 minute short films <laughs> um uh but yeah that's like um that was like the most when it comes to like defining parts of my life of like emotional maturity that's um you know that's where it comes from and that's why i'm so interested in it when it comes to like the buddhist or whatever yeah i mean well that's what i was gonna say was it comes through in the second in in home i think the the other side of that coin with this guy who's trying to prove something and just won't let it go, keeps taking it too far, keeps just like, keeps doubling down on this stupid thing. In home, yeah. what is happening almost is is the opposite of that. There's this, this menacing, weird, without giving away what happens, there's this menacing, weird thing that's happening to him. This person is kind of... Uh, in his space in a really uncomfortable way and he's not asserting himself really or when yeah. he does you know he he tells his friend about this person and what he saw but he gets shut down and his friend is just like don't be a fucking weirdo and he's just like okay sorry i won't be a weirdo and that's it 
And then he has to just like sit there with this discomfort of knowing who this guy really is. Um, and, and it's, I mean, like, that whole thing and, and, was and, like, yeah, go on. No, I mean, the whole thing with that was like, I, um, I mean, looking back on it, I don't really know why I made it or like what made me want to do it. But like, after the fact, I can be like, oh, it's interesting. What this movie is about is like, I guess this movie is about me making films, which is like, you know, the right way to do something and you know, the right thing to say and when to say it, but out of like, um, being polite, you don't say anything at all. And you just let this like festering thing just like happen. Like you see the warning signs of something bad about to happen, but out of just being polite or like socially acceptable, you just let it go and just like have it boil over. Yeah. Uh, is I guess I, I like that's just me interpreting it because it was just written the way it was without any like introspection, but like looking back on it. But I think I mean that's that's the best art is when it's it shoots from the hip and you don't really know where it comes from. If you really like you know like uh, if you think about it later, then like maybe you can tie the pieces together. But right. when you're just shooting from the hip um, and it just comes out of you, that I think is when it's like really the most um, sincere and when it really like is is the most deeply tied to you know, your psyche. Um, right. So like, you know, that, like, I think that's, you know, that, that comes through in, in, in both of these. You ever like make something before and you like in the back of your head, you just like, you know, the right way to do it. But like, there's something about it that makes it hard to do that. You kind of just like take the easy route. Yeah. Um, sometimes in, in things that I, you know, I haven't really like, uh written anything story wise in in some time but um i remember when i was writing more oftentimes what it would be would be like there would be something that was too gross or graphic that i wanted to put in there that i thought would be great but i pulled back thinking that it would be like maybe too much you know, they, like I didn't want it to be like too creepy or whatever, and and, like, and you like, kind of back on that. You pick up the signs of like what you you need to do and what is like the right. Not maybe like right is like not the right word for it, but like something that is like you're compelled to do this thing, but like out of like either convenience or like social reasons, you decide not to do it, mm. and that's like my biggest struggle when it comes to like i think like with filmmaking that's like so easy to go you know like it's like you know it, let's say like you're filming something and you know you didn't really get it but you can see that everyone on set's getting tired yeah like it's like that type of thing that's like the that's like one of the things that like kills me it's hard film it's, is such a collaborative artwork um that you know, it's also you, just like judging emotions or like balancing emotions yeah it's hard like and and i think that that's why um unfortunately uh in a lot of cases why the most successful people in the medium tend to be uh or can be very like tyrannical or very like egotistical 
because those are the people yeah. who just like don't care if they're making everybody on set uncomfortable like they're getting their fucking shot and that's the end of it you know yeah and... i mean that's just a classic oh but it's hard but like it's hard to sit and edit something knowing that you didn't do it the right way yeah i mean that's like the that's the thing that just like eats up at you but that's the thing that i've been just like you know really interested in um that process of making something and just knowing your your certain point of it you're doing it wrong yeah it's it, i mean well that's the thing is like you know trusting your instincts is difficult to do especially uh when you have found that your instincts uh you know led you down the wrong path in the past you know i, I mean yeah. like think think about think about young clay and how he uh, was so sure that he had this vision of this band that was going to be political and was going to have all these really poignant, uh, deep songs and that nobody was going to get in his fucking way about uh, the direction of the band. And then they just fucking were like, uh, you're being a dick. We're going to go do our own thing and, and, and be in a band and, and, and everybody's going to like that better. You know, and, yeah. and so like there was you and your instincts and all this like artistic passion that just like kind of led you to just embarrass yourself and it yeah. sucks like you know like but you know the other the other side of that is is i so my thing was when i was in middle school i was a punk i wanted to be like my main goal was to be a crusty um spiky hair trunk punk and um I kind of that kind of bled into my high school like you know whenever you get into a music scene you want to go deeper and deeper and find the more and more obscure stuff and um Wit started a new band and now the whole new thing is metalcore like the fucking mall metalcore type of music tight jeans fucking fucking pitch black hair and just like embarrassing white like you know the white belt was that a thing that you've ever mm -hmm. noticed in high school mm -hmm. So that wasn't that was like the most embarrassing thing ever, um, the most embarrassing style of music. But Wit started a new band, and it was that, and he asked me to be in it as a bass player because they were bass player left, and I was just like, "Oh sure, it'd be cool." And it was artistically the least satisfying thing ever, and it's just like being a part of a project that I just have to be there and I was like a blast and we got to go on tour and have fun and all that but like like you do see the other side of that like of like being totally like having no say and like being in something where you're like not even represented at all mm. so it was interesting being on both sides of that and being like you know um <clears throat> and as an adult having to balance those two realities I mean, that's kind of the choice that uh, most creative people are forced to make is like, do you trailblaze and, you know, work as a starving artist and follow your passion? Or do you like, you know, get the um, agency job and pay the bills, you know, like, yes, yeah. or, or do you get just like an unrelated day job that you like completely don't fucking care about? Um, speaking of what what is your uh, uh, job? What do you what do you uh, do for income? Um, me and Wit, like, my most recent job was I directed and edited, or co-directed and edited Wit Special hmm. for HBO. 
And before that, I was just an editor. I worked at Super Deluxe as an editor. I would just work part-time as, like, worked on different, like, shows here and there. Not real shows, but, like, a lot of, like, internet stuff and, like, pilots and stuff. And um, now, and also, like, selling TV shows or, like, pitching shows and, like, developing them um, is how I make a living now. Um, But, like... It's just, it's like a, it's a type of lifestyle where you get one job and you're good for a year, but you, with that within that one year, you only have that one job. Right is how it works for me personally. And before that, I had a we, we had a cartoon called Stone Quackers that me and Wit acted in and um, wrote on. And then I also act on the side too. I was in an Adult Swim um, thing last year. This like special or this four o'clock in the morning special called piggy yeah, yeah i tried to, I tried to like watch that, that um and I, I couldn't it wasn't on the adult swim app i guess it's going to be on like, yeah it's not even on hbo max either okay. yeah it's, it's, is, it's going to be soon or something right i'm sure i'm yeah, sure it is. it's just lost in the world right now it's in that you know, <laughs> yeah the, the, area. the weird like ip you know hell the purgatory yeah. unless you have a cable login or some dumb shit which no one has right you know i look like a boomer um but yeah, that's what that's what I do. It's just like odd jobs like that that just like um, come perfectly to where when I have no money, I get jobs like that. I can I can never have them stack up on each other. Right. Well, I mean, you know, like that's the you know the the sort of a uh, uh, creative web slinging, you know, of the freelancer. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, you freelance? Uh, no, I mean, like, so I do. Um... I edit and do illustration on this podcast, uh, this other podcast. Uh, I do that for money, but I also just like mostly just fucking walk dogs for money. You know, like that's, that's how I pay the bills. And then I do this. Oh, I would do, I would do Postmates too in between. Hmm. Like, you know, I would have like a cartoon on TV and then two years later I'll be doing Postmates. Yeah. Like three months. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, you know, like that's, that's how a lot of people, live you know you, you you get a pilot on tv and then like a year later you're working at a grocery store you know it's, yeah that's how it is it's fucking weird yeah. but you know that's that's the life it's just like the new economy that's just how it, that's just like that's just what it is we, yeah I, i've like missed out on all the heydays i missed out on the cable heyday and missed out on, really missed out i you know what i didn't miss out on though i took advantage of the funnier die era of jobs where funnier die would just give you a shit ton of money or for being a person with no money a shitload of money like five thousand dollars for like a thing right and so i rode that way for about a year of this web fucking phenomenon where everyone thought you would make a lot of money in like fucking sketch comedy videos for funnier die right and then that died quickly <laughs> yeah i mean most of those things like they don't last that long i mean like there i mean but like it launched careers like there were people who just like came from funny or die or like came from like i i still follow a lot of people on twitter who started on like cracked you know um and and lord we're just like writing for like peanuts and and now they're like established like really good writers so yeah you never know i guess but then there's the rest of us who just you know we're just chum and we just walk dogs for apparently ever and uh that's just that's just how that 
pans out, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know that I'll never be fully comfortable. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Well, and, you know, COVID like really threw a wrench in the works for a lot of people too, especially like in the comedy world, you know, like, and like performing, it's just like, well, that's all out the window. And like, you know, all of my comedy friends and acquaintances, they're just like, yeah, I have no, like, they're just in this holding pattern of just like, uh, is now a good time to quit? Is now a good time to find a different thing to do with my life? Um, what's, you know, what do I do? Do I wait until it comes back? Do I adapt my skills to something else like, you know, like uh, web videos or uh, fucking podcasts or, or whatever? But like, you know, it's just, this was, we, we thought this was about a year ago. We thought this was going to be, uh, you know, just a couple months, six weeks, you know? Yeah, I believe Trump. I thought it was going to be over before Easter. Yeah, that was all gonna be. I was like, my man Trump, my man Trump. He's got it. Up, so he's got he's got this under <clears throat> control. Yeah, um, it's it's a weird time to be alive, man. I mean, yeah, I remember when Bud talked to me in uh, February of last year. And he said, "Dude, COVID's gonna change everything. Like, this is gonna take over the fucking world, and it's just like you got you better be careful who you're around." And I'm like, "Okay, you fucking crazy, my man." Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't bring this up to other people. You sound like a nut. So, what does what does New York look like now? Like when you walk outside? Uh, it's, I mean, well, it just snowed. So like, um, you know, there's just like the dirty, shitty, like crusty black snow everywhere. Um, yeah. But the most surreal part of the whole thing has been all of the outdoor dining adaptation, which I'm sure you've seen some of. Like, what dude, we have. Doing. Yeah, it looks like FEMA camps outside. Yeah, it's really yeah. fucking weird. And like, I mean, I imagine it's maybe easier to do in L.A. because there's more space and because it's warmer, you know, like yeah. it's more parking lots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just been so weird with uh, the way like the just sort of legal workarounds of like outdoor dining. So restaurants, you know, you can't go inside at least for now. Cuomo wants to fucking reopen, uh, indoor dining, which is an asinine idea. But, uh, for now you still have to sit outside. Um, and so they've just been like, you go down like Smith street, which isn't super far from here in Brooklyn. And both sides of the street are just, there's like these, structures these like kind of shanties that have been built like out like kind of on the margin like the parking area of the street yeah um you know out of like corrugated you know plastic and and tin and blah 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 um, they look like little greenhouses little greenhouses yeah and they have like little like heat lamps in them and stuff and you know like for a while like yeah those were like full of people like eating and like now that's just like most days it's too cold for that so like you see like a couple of people here and there like tr like trying to tough it out and sit under the heat lamp and eat um but other than that um you know there's there's just these like kind of these structures that were never really designed to like sit under like the elements for so long and now they're just sort of awkwardly still there and there's just fucking masks strewn across like it's just a weird fucking post-apocalyptic thing that we're going that we're going through right now 
what I learned throughout this whole thing is people love restaurants. They can't get enough. Food, I right? know, right? It's like people are fucking determined to sit and, and be served in a restaurant. And like, you know, most of the time, like I'm fine with just getting takeout from a place. You know, you just go in, yeah. you get your shit and you leave. That's cool. Like, but like, I, I think like people just really want to like sit and have, you know, food and beer brought to them it's just it's just a thing that people can't fucking get enough of every now and again i'll listen to like the joe rogan podcast and his main thing right now is uh fucking how la is like it's like 1984 over there and literally the only difference between like la and like somewhere in texas is like one maybe you have to wear a mask everywhere you go like indoors Mm -hmm. and two you have to eat outside rather than inside, but it's like indoor dining is such a big thing for people. It's and I think man moved to Texas just so he can have more indoor dining. I think he did. Yeah, no, it was it was it had some, it definitely had something to do with that. And it was also some like tax bullshit, but like it, it had a lot to do with. Like, oh, the, he made millions of dollars. Yeah, he made about twenty six million dollars. Just when he saved alone, which is just like, but then again, like my man's making a fucking goofy amount of money, like. If I took away fucking five million dollars away from him, he'll just people like that will never know. Yeah, it's nuts. I, mean, I, I could be like, hey, dude, I put I deposited five million dollars in your bank account. Isn't that crazy? They would, oh, that's crazy. They'd never fact check you and never need to. Yeah, they wouldn't even look. They wouldn't even open the app on their phone. It's just, I mean, like that's been like probably the most disturbing thing of of this whole of the whole COVID era has just been that kind of mostly like right-wing reactionary thing. And, you know, there, there are like weird, like, you know, some of my like more, I don't know, uh, like new agey hippie friends, like a couple of them came out as like weird anti-maskers too. And I like, you know, just like, "Ah, I can't fuck with you now. Like, you know, kind of stuff, but like, it's hard, but, uh, the main reaction of, of, all of these people, yeah, it's just saying that it's some like dystopian or Wellian bullshit um, that they have to just like do something that's a slight inconvenience, stay inside for a while, and like and and, and like not go out and socialize. Like Dude, the, even the mask, the, the like, mask, the people, the, it's like like fucking whininess of these people. It's incredible. It's like, you know, you look at a guy like Joe Rogan and he's all muscly and like he's he's this big fucking brolic tough guy. And like the idea that he's so butthurt that he has to like put on a mask if he goes inside to, you know, just just for the health and safety of other people. Just do something. Just do one fucking thing in your life that is an inconvenience to you that helps other human beings. And just the bitch fit that these people throw is just like. Good God. I don't know. Like I love it. I I love that comedy now for a lot of people is just like complaint. Like I was we were on a podcast with James Austin Johnson the other day and he brought up that like he kept on bringing up that comedy now is just like in that sector of comedy is just like hardcore complaining. The most fucking victimized people you'll ever see in your life who are yeah. forced to it's like who's favorite book now is all 1984 because this is all so orwellian that i have to wear a mask during a global pandemic this is like you guys are out of your mind it's i mean like just it's it's a very american pathology um 
the this like rugged individualism that this country has taken to like a crazy fucking extreme of just like I will never be told by anybody what to do for any reason and it's it's just it's sick and it's it's killed close to half a million people by the end of this month there's gonna be half a million fucking people dead and it's oh, yeah. all just the result of these fucking selfish babies and like I did you read um uh Seth Simons just re- did an article about the um the alt right in comedy um no i saw a lot of people sharing that yeah it's it's a crazy fucking article um and you know uh, and a lot of that's it's it's more based in new york comedy or at least seems to be like yeah a lot of like new york comedy and and like uh you know it, it's it's weird how close some of that shit is to like my world like not that like i'm not really i wouldn't really consider myself part of the like new york comedy scene by any means yeah but but you digest i digest a lot of that and like i have those people on my show i have people you know from new york comedy in my show and like a lot of people in new york comedy i consider my friends and they're people who like have been on shows with these people who are just like straight up like alt-right proud boy adjacent like it's scary shit you know, and yeah. like it's it's crazy, and it's it all revolves around this like this free speech thing, this like anti woke, anti SJW, um, just just nonsense of like these people think that the most important thing in the world is their fucking comedy, and that and that their ability to just say whatever they want without any kind of like ramification is like their god-given right and it's just like nobody's it's all right complain comedy that's all it is yeah it's like i mean there's so many like there's this there's this guy i don't even know his fucking name he 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 just makes these videos about uh how like one of them wears like a woke shirt one of them wears a a a shirt that says racist one wears a shirt that says woke and like and they talk about how like hypocritical the the woke like uh sjw's are with like all of their shit and it's just like you're just mad because people are calling you out for saying like racist sexist shit nobody's putting you yeah, in jail but... you're not like losing out on anything you're just for the first time having to face consequences for being a dick there's always a roadmap to like their like radicalization to like being outed as a creep uh, i had a friend who was like had a really hard allegation against him and he was the type of person where if you heard that he had that allegation against him, your first thought is like, yeah, I could probably see that or whatever. And um, it was just like a really harsh one. And about – he was like – it was so bad that he had to move out of L.A. And about two months later, there he was on the Gavin McGinnis TV show talking about his whatever. And like that was like a radicalizing moment of him. And it's like – when you find people like that that have like such a political thing to them now out of nowhere sometimes you can trace that back to some fucking sus behavior yeah in the past love like fight like or but you know a lot of people to be fair a lot of people are just like you know they're just like naturally reactionary and like you know probably like have like you know genuinely genuine beliefs about like hey i you know i love bill hicks and i love like crazy 
fucking you know i like my humor to be offensive i grew up on south park or whatever yeah and like you can take that genuinely and then like take it a little too far by like being just fucking insensitive or just fucking stupid um but yeah i I, watching that in comedy is really interesting thing to be like how a lot of people are radicalized into the most fucking horrid bullshit a lot of it like comes from like stand-up comedians like being told that they went too far with the joke one time and that alone will sp- make them spiral into a fucking just like all right pathway yeah of like just being like all right cool you fucking snowflakes all right now i'm gonna be the edgy guy yeah it's just like i mean like i i don't mind when people are edgy i don't mind when people are offensive even you know, like, I'm not, he- like, I legit am not here to, like, police what other people say. But, like, if you get on stage or get on a mic, you know, on a podcast or whatever, and you say shit that is going to, like, upset people, deal with it. Like, just, like, be a fucking grown-up about it and take your licks. And if people have a problem with what you're saying and you get fired off of SNL or that's a consequence, I'm sorry, my man. Like, yeah. you know, like then like, just like deal with it and be like, okay, like, fuck, you know, like I, it, that's, that's you like in middle school getting thrown out of the bands and like, it's a humbling moment and you can either learn from that and just or be, be like, alt-right. or, or yeah, turn to the alt right and, and just like go fully fucking crazy. You know, and and it's just like, I'm, I'm positive that I've said shit, um, that people could like dig up shitty tweets or Facebook statuses and, and like things that I've said in the past that, you know, by today's standards would be considered not great, not super PC, but like, okay, like I'll deal with that. Like, I, you know, like I was younger then I said some shit I regret what? You know? No, when I was a when I was a kid, I was like an edge lord for sure. Yeah, me and Wit make um, sketch comedy videos that are like so over the top bad, really offensive bad. But like the joke was like, oh, we know it's bad and we think it's stupid, you know, or whatever. Like just like really edge lordy stuff back mm-hmm. then. And so like I understand like the appeal to it um but like yeah i mean there's something funny about the taboo of like you're not supposed to you know go there with this. yeah but i think people confuse that a lot of the times with like oh you don't like jokes that you don't like the context of the joke you just hear a buzzword and you're offended but no it's like no the idea is like who who are you punching and why like when that guy was doing like the racist stuff like you know like when like a lot of people remember that guy that was on snl who was got fired before he even like got on SNL because he yeah. made a lot of race. Yeah. So that's like a part of comedy that's like, you know, oh, we're ironically racist, right? Yeah. And that's like the joke. Well, and like, and, I don't really know that guy, but like what I've read about him or heard about him from like people who know him on podcasts or what, like whatever, is just like, that's not like, he's not a racist guy. He just he wasn't saying that really with malice, but like he was towing that line and he was handling a grenade, you know, by, by saying that shit. But like, it's not even that, it's not even like that you hear that word and you're like, Oh, well, it's just like, it's just like, I don't like comedy of where like, that's the joke. Like I, like, I understand like, like I, I would never like, I don't know. I don't know how big of a fan I am of like, 
fucking firing him. But if like SNL is trying to run a show where you don't have people like that on your show and you're like that, then then I guess like you're not you don't belong mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, that's the thing is that like all of these people at the same time are all these like, uh, you know, hyper capitalists, you know, free market people. And it's just like, I'm, well, then yeah. pick one, dude. Like, do you want companies to be autonomous and to make their own decisions of like who works there and when or or not? Like this this show has a legacy, has a like 40 something year legacy and a brand. And if you don't fit that brand for whatever reason at any time, you're done. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, that's that's the fucking free hand of the market or whatever the fuck they call that shit. Like. You know, it, marketplace of ideas. The marketplace of ideas. The invisible hand. The jacking off. You know, like, like it's it's like it's just like personally, I've grown out of that kind of comedy of like the like edge lord, like you know, uh, like haha, it's funny that like I'm gonna make jokes about like women tied up in my basement or like whatever shit that like you think is funny it's when bad, you're a teenager. But I know it's bad. Yeah, but like I. You know, like I laughed about that shit when I was a teenager, but like, I guess I moved on from it, but I understand that like people still want to laugh about that stuff, but like, okay. So then it well, I mean, with space. me personally, it's just like all context. Like, you know, it's just like, I no longer like that. I didn't like whatever context that your thing is, is like, oh, you're being ironically racist or whatever. It's just like me personally, I just don't care about that shit anymore. And like. You know, I'm not going to try to cancel you, but I'm not going to fucking listen to your show. Like, I don't give a shit about that anymore. But, like, people take that attitude as, like, you're trying to fucking cancel me. And, like, the reason why I don't have a show in Hollywood is because of people like you. It's like, no, dude. It's just, like, people don't want to listen to that shit. Yeah, you you don't have a show in Hollywood because, because, like, it's outdated. It's outmoded. Like, that shit is just, like, it's just old. Like, you're just, like... You're yeah. working on tired fucking material that already got like driven into the ground by South Park. Like it's done. It's played out, bro. Yeah, and some people don't want that. Surprisingly. And like, you know, but yeah, I th- that fucking whiny bullshit is like I think it's gonna live on forever. Like we're just gonna relive two thousand sixteen like, <clears throat> anti SJW bullshit. Yeah, well that's you know, I've I've heard it theorized, um, by a lot of different people that like that if anything is the direction that comedy like the dominant wing of comedy might take because oh, yeah. those are the people who are still performing those are the people who are still going to clubs and performing because they don't give a shit about covid and like yeah. they're the ones who are still like going out and performing right now live and they're the ones that they're going to keep getting booked and now and and like the the more like i guess socially minded thoughtful people in comedy like they're stepping back now because that's the socially responsible thing to do and like now you know like now like now the dominant strain um so to speak is is you know all these like fucking nick DiPaolo fucks yeah, I mean, that's just all comedy is now. I went back home to, like, Alabama, and, like, my friends who were, like, sort of into comedy or whatever were, like, telling me all the shit that they're into now. And, like, you know, they were our friends because they were in, like, punk bands or hardcore bands. And now they just all listen to Theo Vaughn. Or, like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Theo Vaughn, but, like, 
uh, he's a gateway to that, like, fucking... Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys. Like, he seems okay, but, like, yeah, he's, like, kind of adjacent to some sus people, I would say. But, like, Right, and it's just, like, like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, like, me personally, just as a comedy fan or whatever, it's just, like, I, I, it's just, like, it's a whole other language. Like, if you spend your time, like, growing up watching, like, Stella and, like, you just like fucking dumb comedy, um now dipping your toe into like the joe rogan world where it's just like your podcast is not a comedy podcast even it's just like i don't know what the comedy is now besides complaining yeah but that's a whole other thing i mean like that's just like whatever i mean that's just whatever that's just comedy nerdum i don't know yeah it's just weird like i mean because he talks to comedians but like i mean is he even trying to be funny no it's just complaining it's just like you know it's like people that were really big fans of like bill hicks like you watch bill hicks and he's like funny but like a lot of his funny or like bill burr who's like good at it but he's good at complaining but turning that complaining into jokes yeah right or like using complaining as a way to like fucking get into a good artful way of getting into a joke whatever but a lot of people watch that and they only see the complaining and then they mimic that and somehow they get famous because comedy now is not comedy comedy now or it's always been personality based because like well i listen to your podcast where you complain about wearing a mask and i'm at your show and all you're doing is complaining and doing these like fucking <clears throat> whatever a joke does come up out of yeah this like aggrieved like, guy thing you right know, is like the thing and like i that's just, I, I like bill burr actually like i think he's quite funny um i disagree with him on a lot of stuff oh i but, love like, complaining he's, he's comedy really i, I love funny. like I love hearing comedians complain, but like, it's just like when you play the telephone game of that, of going to other comedians, they mm-hmm. miss out on the artistry of like jokes. And like, I mean, I don't even, I don't even like staying up honestly, but like, um, uh, but it's, it is interesting to see like that, like sings. I think it all started with George Carlin, really, who I loved as a kid. And yeah, George Carlin is great uh but and yeah that he, he's but like, like the but the, that's the thing is like you get on facebook and like every like conservative boomer on facebook is like posting like george carlin quotes like he'd be one of them and it's just like you know what he said about like capitalism and shit right like you know that he's like a big he's, fucking hippie yeah he was a huge fucking like weed smoking hippie and you think that he'd be like one of you because like because he like didn't take bullshit from people and he was like this because you know like if you're just looking at like the surface level, like, yeah, he's just, he's an aggrieved white guy. He's this like yeah. put upon, like complaining. I'm smarter. Like everybody's an asshole. Like I'm, I'm sick of, you know, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of that. Like that's his, that's his whole thing. But like, who's he talking about? He's talking about rich people and politicians. He's talking about yeah. like the establishment, like sucking. He's, he's like staunchly pro-choice. He's, you know, like he's, he's not who you, he's not the fucking like conservative person you think he is anyway. But it's nice to see someone aggrieved and just like fucking, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, like there's something cathartic about that. Like that's the thing is that like, you know, like people are angry and like, I get that. Even like the storming of the Capitol in hindsight really just seems less like it was like there were people with like sinister fucking plans and right. but for a lot of them like once they got in there they didn't know what the fuck to do because it was just this moment of catharsis it was just this moment of them just being like finally having to like 
like stages of grief like face the reality that like their superhero president was done and like they were just pitching a fit and then it like they actually got into the place and they were like god oh no like you know that's so funny that whole thing is so funny it was really fucking funny my thing is is like i'm like you know pro protesting whatever and like i believe what they did was correct if what they believed was true you know what i mean like if they really believed that uh there's this whole cabal of people that are stealing the election from you um, and you're going in to take it back, you know, like I, you know, I would believe in that, but you know, but behind that is like a huge lie. You just been for force a big, easy lie. And you took that crazy, but like, you know, if I believed someone wronged me, you know, you have to, you have to show political action behind it. Yeah. And, and even that, even that, they go in and all that is given up. They're just taking pictures. And it's just like, well, then what is this about? Like, I understand if you truly, if you were truly like fucking hoodwinked into believing that this election was stolen and it's your duty to like act, do action and make something of it, like you would go in and do something, not go in and like stay in between the like fucking ropes and like yeah. pretend it's like a that was so fucking surreal it was, it was really like weird. watching people break down windows and enter and it's a bunch of like fucking 65 year old and up people with like their fucking trump merchandise like they're on a tour yeah it was it was very weird all like kind of like uh petty bourgeois people you know like all these like people who like own like fucking waterbed stores or whatever the fuck and like so like Fresno even like the thing like... that you would like you would like about it like people who are politically active even though they're on the other side they're on the wrong side of whatever of the debate but like they're like they truly believe in something and they're like rising up and doing something about it even there they fail because they're just like not doing anything they're just like it's just so fucking stupid but it's it's been a blast to watch it was weird to watch and it was it's i don't know it, I knew it was coming too. Like I very yeah. much knew it, it. It did not surprise me one little bit. The entire thing. I was like, Oh, there it is. Okay, cool. Like I, like it was, it was like watching, um, it was like watching somebody like on a chair with a broken leg, you know, and, and just like watching them sort of like rock back and forth in the chair. And then the chair finally gives out and you're like, ah, there you go. Yeah. I, I was a huge fan of watching, like, really, like, conservative videos of, like, the, like, QAnon-style videos. Mm-hmm. And the way that they talked about January 6th and it coming up was so eerie. And you knew something was going to happen. And when it, when it happened, it was, like, fucking wild. Yeah, it's... That was I don't a wild-ass day. It was but, a wild-ass day. Yeah. And they fucking killed a cop. What the fuck? You <laughs> see that video? Yeah, yeah. Fucking like that's fucking insane that no one talks about that every day. Yeah, yeah. It's it. it, Well, what's the weirdest? I mean, and again, not super surprising, but a weird thing about it is that like it already feels like we we've just sort of moved on from it. Yeah, it's just so baked into like it's just like we're already like okay, what's next? Like we're, we're. Talk, we're already like talking about like the Super Bowl ads and shit. Like it's but like, now with the impeachment, the impeachment has that air of like really you're gonna you're gonna impeach him for this. Like they're just crazy. It's just, like not even a big deal. But it's just, like that day was like insane. 
No, it's it's a big deal that the president of the United States uh, uh, incited a fucking riot on the Capitol. That's a pretty big yep. deal. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. But we, uh, we're so conditioned to that that it's like you, people can be coaxed into believing like, oh, it's just the way the world works. It's just what happens. It's what's no big deal, whatever. The most ominous thing about it is that it's it feels like it's um, it wasn't the culmination of something. It was the beginning of something, you know, and right. it's something that we're going to very quickly get used to the same way we're used to, like, all the gun violence in this country where it's just like, oh, the fuck, there was another shooting, you know, and like it's like this will be like, oh, there's another like fucking QAnon psycho who drove his van down the street and killed four people like oh, what are you going to do? You know, like, yeah. it's just like a new thing, a new violence that we accept now. Yeah, I don't know. Is it? I guess it's like something about America. Um, I mean, this is like... We're an extremely my... violent country. It's so um, violent. It's just like, or just like with COVID, like our numbers are so fucking out of, um, are so fucking crazy because we have no like cultural thing where we obey and trust like authority, which is like, you know, which I appreciate not trusting authority, but like being so fucking stupid about like even mask, the most simple thing in the world. Like it makes sense. Like COVID comes from fucking spit. Spit comes out of your mouth. Put thing over your mouth. Like yeah, it's like there's no. How is that so fucking hard to understand? I you know I had a I had a my family's all from Alabama. Which means a good portion of them. I was lucky that my parents were like very liberal, but like their family and like the people that they grew up with and like my aunts and uncles mm -hmm. or whatever Same. are like super like borderline QAnon Trump people and they're like well off, well off in the middle class sense, but like, you know, if you, they're just like people that are just like you would never think before now that they would believe in such a cultish thing. Um, but yeah, they're like borderline QAnon type people and they've all gotten COVID and, um, they've all like, just like simple things like thinking you're having COVID and going to talk to your grandmother about it, you know, or like talking to your mom, my grandmother about it and going like, do you not think you're going to give your fucking, your own parent a fucking COVID? It's just people don't think we're just so fucking stupid. Are you just angry all the time? Because I'm just angry all the time. No, I am. You don't seem um, like a super angry guy in general. You seem you seem like a fairly like lighthearted dude. I can get angry easy. I I, I can get angry really quick, but um, I um, enjoy when he just looked at me like I'm fucking insane. Um, <laughs> Hi, Wendy. Uh, 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 but um, I my biggest hobby right now is watching conservative media just like basking in it i i wake up and i listen to a lot of a lot of conservatives because like whatever like i don't know what it is i just like whatever that feeling of of being like what the fuck did you just say you moron is like really addictive to me and well, i'm bringing that up only to say that like i'm um i don't get angry really at that and i think i'm i'm desensitizing myself to it in a um, harmful way hmm. to where it's like such a like listening to all these aggrieved republicans talk about having to wear a mask um, when they leave their fucking house is like infuriating to me but in a way where 
um i i'm just addicted to it i don't know what it is but yeah i don't really get angry at stuff like that now i think i'm I'm too like i'm numb to it now Hmm. in a way that i enjoy i don't know how to i I, this has always been a problem with me um loving conservative media and watching people fucking act like fucking idiots Hmm. like listening to joe rogan fucking complain about restaurants for the fucking hundredth time how many times are you gonna bring it up my man you fucking ape brain fucking dude um (laughs) but yeah i just can't i can't get enough of it and there's so much so many aggrieved people that people bring up 1984 i just i mean i I guess it's like maybe the approach is just like if we're if we're if we're um at the mercy of this idiocy we might as well just sort of like sink into it like a you know like a like a hot bathtub you know and just sort of get used to it i was like really scared in 2016 because i thought anti-sjw youtube comp videos were going to breed a new a wave of like far-right young people which it did but i think there's a new wave of like Red Tubi or like whatever like left leaning YouTube thing that reacts to that that is getting popular. So I'm like getting a little more hope now that people are recognizing that all these dumb boomers are like dumb and that then I don't know. When I was really young when like during the Bush era, it felt like left leaning stuff was like new and interesting and cool and mm-hmm. that's what all the cool people were doing. And like I loved um watching michael moore films and stuff but like in 2016 it got scary when i saw like really young people getting into like trump stuff and like anti-sjw and watching steven crowder and like all this fucking yeah horrific shit and i was like fuck maybe like maybe like this like trump era is just gonna be forever now like that's what that's the turn of our nation now Mm -hmm. it's either that or this like fucking stupid ass like lib fucking pod save america style yeah i mean yeah, that's the thing. it's gonna it's like turn off so many young yeah. people yeah this is like it's gonna turn off people are young people are not gonna watch like fucking um pod save america and be like wow this is like new interesting radical and cool yeah they're gonna watch a fucking anti-sjw youtube comp video and be like oh this is who i am now watching steven crowder debate fucking college kids it's like my new thing. But listen, I'm my brain is fucking politically uh, poisoned. Yeah. Well, I'm I hope that the next time I talk to you that you're not, you know, just like fully like red pilled and like actually like it takes. I'm about two YouTube videos away from being really uh based red pilled. Oh um, boy. Fucking, <laughs> a fucking loser. God damn. <laughs> Um, we'll have you back but, on when you're when you're uh, fully you know when you've gone full Q and on. Yeah, and I'll debate you. Can, you. I'll, yeah. You can you can explain to me about uh, the the great storm or whatever. Um. Yeah. The fucking. I don't. God, Q and on is a whole other fucking. Jesus Christ. It's all. Do you look thing. into before we leave? Do you look yeah. into Q and on? Uh, I mean, a little, just like. I've I've listened to a couple of podcasts about it just to like explain like what this is and like what they believe and and all of that stuff just to, just because like I want to be aware of what it is. 
Um, but like, I haven't like gone on the boards and like, you know, like read through, you know, read through like the Q drops or any of that shit. No. Yeah. I haven't either. There's a podcast called QAnon Anonymous. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. is really good. Um, that, goes into depth about it so yeah so like uh, i'd rather just like listen to like somebody like who's going through it and just like explain it to me rather than having to like get on there and spend a bunch of time looking at it myself because like i have like actual like books that i want to read by people who i like i actually like you know i I actually like their ideas like i actually want to like read the new thomas frank and like want to read like peter kropotkin and like you know i want to like actually like read like theory and stuff that like people like I agree with and like so like I don't really want to have I don't really have time to fucking like go down all these like dipshit rabbit holes you know yeah you're like presenting the side of me that I should be like I should be like you know um instead of investing all my time and watching like aggrieved boomers complain about masks I need to like really like invest my time into reading like books that i should have i've been putting off forever like well end of policing or whatever how about this we'll 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 trade resources you send me all your like uh like crazy right-wing stuff and i'll i'll send you all my uh you know lefty socialist stuff it's a deal great okay um before you go do you have anything you want to plug um where can people find you and your work um nothing to plug um if you want to watch the golden one it's on hbo um uh, it's my my uh, best friend wit did a comedy special that we both directed and i edited and i'm very proud it's of how it turned out so good man you should be very proud it's it's fucking it's fucking fantastic it's thanks it's my really, man it's it's genius um so that's the most recent thing that i've that i've worked on or contributed to that I'm, i really liked the way it turned out um so if you can watch that if you get somehow frowning piggy my buddy steve smith directed that i get to be a fucking uh alien i look like an alien and i'm an absolute mess um but i'm i really liked how that turned out too so if you could find that on adult swim watch that that's it and then you can watch my short films watch i'm going to insist that y'all watch his his short films as as embarrassed and self-conscious as he is of them they're really fucking good um i i maintain that i i assert that they're really good thank you my man thank you so you guys have a lot of homework to do now all right yeah you gotta watch a bunch of shit all right thanks clay awesome thanks once again to clay tatum for being on the show what a sweet guy right off the bat just super cool guy he came to new york they live out in la he came to new york and uh was just just a real nice approachable conversational dude so i always wanted to have him on the show and i was glad that he finally uh came on um we'll do the back end housekeeping again patreon.com slash self-worst Thank you very much for your donations. Music is by Shea Bartell, uh, who co-wrote the theme song with me, Brad Pearson. Thank you, Shea. Uh, Go check out his art. It's in the show notes as well. Um, I'm Brad Pearson. That's all I got. Just me, myself. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you. Bye. Bye.